I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, 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 and welcome, ladybirds and gentle lemurs, to the Human Nature Podcast. Here we explore the ups and downs of being Homo sapiens and learn a thing or two on how to be a better animal. My name is Elliot Connor, and I'm at least half elephant, but the star of our show today is none other than Boussy, a French magician, CEO of Keeps a three times TEDx speaker and author. Welcome, Butsi. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to see what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so magic is your thing. And we haven't had a magician on the show yet, uh, which is uh, interesting. I'm certainly uh, keen to talk about uh, that passion of yours and how it's turned into a career as well. Uh, how you're now writing about uh, the effects of magic, that way of thinking on our productivity, on our workflows. Uh, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, let's start with what you define as magic. What is magic to you? Because I think in the modern era, it's such a wide scope of uh, endeavor. So how do you see magic as a part of your life? Well, magic has changed a lot uh, for sure, over the centuries and, and even very recently, if you look at magic in the 80s, it's it's very different from what it is today. And I think yeah. in, in a good way, it, it's stronger. It's stronger magic. It's, it's less of a cheesy thing that you do with handkerchief and, and you know, and foam stuff. Um, there are definitely stronger stronger effects, uh, definitely more magicians, definitely more female magicians, which is good as well, because it's a world uh, with a huge uh, ego, uh, a lot of guys who thinks they know better than others. So there's a lot of that as well. Um, but definitely, it's, I think it's an interesting craft, uh, because not only for what it brings you, uh, obviously, many disciplines can bring you a lot of things, self-confidence and yeah. talking in front of others and stuff like that. But mostly for others, you know, uh, you mentioned some people don't have a career out of it. And I always say, you know, good, I don't care. It's it's even maybe better because they, they do tricks for their kids or for their nephews and and they just do it for others. So... That's actually not what I like magic at the beginning, to be honest. I started magic late. Uh, it, it wasn't when I was young. I was 20 when I, I discovered, not when I started, when I, di I discovered magic, I was 20, uh, really in a, in, a, in a cafe in Paris. And 
and the, the, it was actually a cafe where the waiters were also magicians. So they did a couple of tricks to us. We were with friends and I had a lot of uh, free time because I was going to university and, and I had, you know, um, I could I could get by without working too much at university, so I, I had a lot of free time on my hands. And what I liked was not necessarily the the effect, but how they did it. So the yeah. guy, said, oh, he was a smart guy. He also sold his DVDs at the end of the thing, and we all bought one DVD. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna learn magic, and. Um, and yeah, what I really liked was the mindset behind. So long answer to your short question. Uh, basically, yeah, that's there are two things that I love in magic is the effect, what it gives to others, this moment of magic, this moment out of time that we create. Um, and to the magician is the mindset when you discover the illusion, you're like, wow, there's another magical effect when you discover the, the, how it's done, basically. Definitely. No, I think that's a wonderful answer. And uh, clearly, over the course of your career, uh, spanning uh, ages, uh, several decades even, uh, how, how have you found it as a magician performing across the world, essentially? So clearly, you've traveled, you've worked, I believe, in Hollywood's uh, Magic Castle. Uh, I believe you taught uh, magic briefly in London for several years. Uh, so uh, there are many different audiences, uh, cultures, expectations even of you as a magician. Uh, I guess uh, performing to would-be magicians uh, may even be harder than perhaps your average audience. Uh, but I'm interested, uh, what is the most interesting or hardest gig you've ever done? Oh, that's so many. You know, when you start a career in anything, you have to do some work that you don't choose at the beginning. You know, you don't have many choices at the beginning. So uh, when I started professionally, I would take anything. I, say, ah, I need a magician. Yeah. I would say, yes, I don't even know what it is. You know, uh, I did just wanted experience, which was great. But you have three questions in one question. So I need to, uh, to address a couple of them. First of all, the different audiences. It's, I love to talk about this because... Uh, we often say that the French audience is one of the worst in the world because we're very skeptical, very analytical. So imagine an audience who just watch your hands and wants to see how it's done and they don't yeah. want to enjoy themselves. They just look, no, I, I know there is something. No, no, no shit. Of course there's something. Of course there's a trick. But, you know, they don't enjoy themselves and they don't let it go, which is cliche, but it's, it has a lot of truth. It's complete opposite of the American audience. And, and, and if you watch the clip in, in the Hollywood Magic Castle, uh, the guy is just announcing me. I haven't even started. People don't know me. They have never seen me in, in their lives. It's just say, hey, we have someone from Paris and people already cheering. They're like, yeah, woohoo. <laughs> yeah, Magic, Paris. So they're already, they're already in the experience. And I think it's part of the culture. It's not that they're not well in, intentioned you know it's, it's just how it is and and then you have a scope of very different audiences and of course different type of personalities and circles and communities of course but different countries are definitely definitely a, a you see the difference directly and, and French people are it's very hard it's very hard it's a good school for pulling them into this magical experience and sometimes if you just succeed to have them doubt just one second and be like oh 
and you yeah. uh, then to, to come back to reality as fast as possible, then you already won. You're like, oh, well, you know, uh, at least I made you travel to this wonderland for half a second. I'm happy already. Um, so exaggerated a little bit, but definitely the hardest were some of the events that were community oriented, like bar mitzvah or stuff like that. I mean, I did some of them. They were wonderful. People were happy and it was a lot of noise and stuff, but it was very lively. But I did others and it was a, it was a nightmare, man. It was a nightmare because they didn't care that you were there and kids were running anywhere, that there was no discipline. I, if they're running towards my my magic stuff that cost a lot of money, so I had to grab them like, no. And as parents, to not be as loud so they could respect the show. So it was, you know, when there is absolutely no respect and you feel like you're here and you're a ghost and people running, this is super hard because you feel like, why am I here? And one of my mentors, I... You know, uh, Jeff McBride that I love is super funny and, and he's, he's very well respected in the magical world. So he, he said, uh, when we were asking him about how to do in such uh, experiences, such events, he would say TFM. I was like, what TFM? He said, take the fucking money. <laughs> he said, take the fucking money and go. And obviously he's not about that. He's about amazing experiences is great but is sometimes you can't do it sometimes it's just impossible you know so you cannot have everyone sit in front of you and in this case it's a job some of the things are horrible and you just tfm and and that's it and hope for the best certainly now i think it's as you say a very very varied mixed gig uh, working as a magician and obviously across uh, many different countries, contexts, uh, different stages. Uh, and I believe the animal you've chosen to talk about today is a fox, uh, which is similarly widespread, uh, similarly uh, looked upon with very mixed reactions uh, by society. Uh, just before uh, we came onto this recording, actually, I was reading about fox tossing. Have you heard about fox tossing? No, what is it? <laughs> so fox tossing is a 17th century sport, uh, which I believe was actually quite popular in the day uh, across uh, mainland Europe and across uh, the UK, uh, but essentially it involved, as the name would suggest, uh, putting a fox in a sling, oh, no. shooting it high up into the air. And yeah, uh, such was the sport. Uh, no way. It really just goes to show how much society's changed, how much our perspectives have changed. Uh, but I believe even in France, uh, foxes are quite widely uh, disputed as an issue. I was over in uh, the south of France at the start of last year uh, doing some wildlife rescue work. And uh, they've got quite uh, stringent regulations about uh, where you can even release uh, rehabilitated foxes uh, because uh, obviously the hunting laws are different uh, between different areas. Uh, the uh, wildlife populations uh, can vary dramatically and uh, some provinces uh, will be perfectly okay with foxes, they'll love them, uh, whereas others, uh, not so much. Uh, wow. So, yeah, I think foxes are fascinating. Uh, but do you want to give us some background about your choice? Uh, what interests you about foxes? I don't know. It's uh, 
on some level, I admire some uh, traits they have. The way we describe them, obviously, we say they're clever. And on some, some part, I also identify with them in the sense that they, they're, you know, they, they calm. Just when you see a fox, is not all over the place. He's calm, he's looking, and he shows by result, you know. I like that. You just see one morning that uh, some some other animals are dead and there's like a, a missing, a, like a chicken or two missing. And you're like, yeah, that must be the, the fox, you know. He doesn't tell you about it. He just, he just know his stuff. Methodology comes and goes. Stuff are missing. You're like, fuck, that must be a fox. And I think I like the fact that they're clever and they have this reputation also of, um, so I, I was supposed to look at this word before. I'm going to look at it right now. It's a French word. The word is roublard. So it's, it's kind of a, a wily, crafty, you know, um, okay. yeah. clever. And, and it, the way it's translated on the website I'm looking at right now, it's wily old fox, crafty old fox. That's very funny. Mm. That's very funny. So I didn't choose by accident because I always like to find a, a um, another solution, another way to do things. And, you know, that's 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 what I like about this this animal. But obviously, I, I don't know much about it. I just it's just what I heard, what I've seen, what I imagine, basically. Yeah, well, you're spot on in many respects. <laughs> As you say, uh, they're case hunters is what it's called. So uh, you mentioned them raiding chicken houses. They'll take uh, two or three chickens and what they do is they bury them. Uh, so they store uh, their spare food, uh, which is, yeah, very clever. It allows them to have uh, yeah. these uh, larders effectively uh, when uh, times are, are lean, but uh, they're also very easily tamed. So you mentioned about uh, people having this uh, sometimes positive reaction to them. They seem very calm, uh, very approachable, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so, yeah, uh, there have been cases, I believe, in Russia uh, a few decades back. It was quite popular. Uh, so uh, late 20th century uh, to domesticate them and uh, effectively mm. have them as dogs, uh, but being foxes. Uh, so... Uh, they are the most widespread uh, wild carnivore on earth, uh, most likely the most abundant as well. Uh, so incredibly, incredibly successful. You know, they, they also do their thing. They, you know, they, they're not like, they're by themselves. You see them, they're just here. They're just not there. They, they just do what they need to do by themselves. Mm. They don't bother other people, you know. I like that as well. That's what I think I identify. It's not necessarily the clever thing that I identify with. It's more of the... They do what they need to do by themselves and they, they just, yeah, you know. Certainly, uh, they have uh, that solitary tendency in hunting and uh, they uh, make the most horrendous noises when they come together. Uh, the famous uh, screams of uh, fox cubs and uh, vixen. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, they definitely uh, prefer in many ways that solitary lifestyle, uh, but still living in family groups. Uh, so there is that sense of community, which is interesting, uh, having those two mixed together. Foxes are uh, famously opportunists. Uh, so what mm. uh, they do is uh, really thrive in uh, these altered habitats, uh, suburbs of human settlements, uh, by eating just about anything. Uh, they are so, <laughs> so, so resourceful. Uh, and uh, that thriftiness has enabled them uh, to reach where they are today. 
uh, in the book I've been writing, Human Nature, uh, which hoping to publish soon, I describe humans as uh, opportunistic ecosystem engineers, uh, meaning that we are thrifty troublemakers. Uh, we're really good at adapting, uh, really good at working with what we have, uh, but we also change uh, the spaces around us. And foxes clearly yeah. uh, take after those traits too. Uh, so that's really interesting to consider as well. Uh, but I'm keen also to hear about this book uh, you've uh, recently uh, published, uh, being uh, The Magic of uh, Crazytivity, as you call it, uh, this new coinage, uh, which I love, Crazytivity. So tell me more about that. Yeah, well, um, I, I always admired entrepreneurs and magicians and Uh, all kinds of artists that had this uh, crazy spark in them. And mm. I always uh, looked up to them thinking, what, how do they do it to be so successful and to build this and to create that? And I always, yes, they're, cre they're creative for sure, but they also have, they're also bold. You know, they have this, this little, um, this little thing where, where, As an outsider, you have to say, wow, this is crazy. You know, that's what I liked. And I thought, you know, crazy and, and, and creativity together would make a great word. Then I saw it already existed. So I cannot even say I invented it, but just put it together. Um, but I say, yeah, I know what, it describes my, my concept better than anything else. Because um, I think the magician mindset, when they create an illusion, is very very close to that it's kind of a crazy creative thing you think it's impossible and magician thing oh, it is impossible unless and that's that's kind of the one of the words that i put forward in the book and in in my talks is unless you know nothing is impossible uh, or maybe it is unless you do this unless you do that and we all we also come back on the resourceful uh, foxy um, uh, mindset if i can say so Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to put forward. And I was already a keynote speaker and I thought it'd be great to, to write a book. Um, I had a lot in my mind and it's, you know, I, it's, it's always the same. You, you start writing, then you cut in your own, uh, in your own game, you continue to write. And, um, not only I could express what I already had in mind, but I could also structure many things that I had in my mind that weren't really structures, structured and, and thought through really. So um, it really helped me with that. And my aim was to do uh, some kind of little toolkit where you can open the book anywhere and you arrive on the page. Uh, you just can have a shot of inspiration of one or two little pages and then you can close it later or you can read it back to back. That was my aim. Um, anyways, so I, I hope I, I succeeded. Normally, if you open it anywhere, you can have this shot of inspiration. And the book is about the seven magician secrets to be more creative and innovative. Great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for our audience, check out uh, that book of Bootsy's. Uh, I think uh, there's so much uh, we can learn uh, from that mindset, from that psychology. Uh, I find uh, myself uh, being very passionate, driven uh, about nature and about conservation uh, that's something which has profoundly changed my perspective uh, so i would certainly believe uh, there's an element of that in everyone's uh, life calling uh, so i'm yeah uh, really keen to hear uh, more but see um, i might ask you uh, very shortly 
uh, about uh, maybe a moment uh, where this uh, magic background of yours, uh, performing as a magician, uh, has uh, profoundly changed the way you look at the world. Uh, one of those aha moments, uh, those eureka moments that you've experienced. Uh, so the cicadas, uh, where we are, uh, have just emerged. Uh, they've come out for the spring, for the summer season. Uh, they are absolutely deafening uh, at midday uh, in the trees. Often they can cover them completely. And it reminded me uh, of the um, magic cicadas, as they're called. Uh, so uh, having that magic link, uh, but uh, these are the prime number cicadas. And when I first heard about them, uh, that blew my mind uh, because, yeah, these are cicadas which only emerge in prime number years. Uh, you may have heard about them. Uh, they're found in areas of North America. And yeah, it's this ingenious strategy they have uh, to evade predation. Uh, but they have invented effectively this uh, numeric system. Uh, they've worked out what these prime numbers are so that they can emerge after seven or 13 years to be able to not be predictable and to be able to all emerge en masse uh, so that uh, predators don't have time to uh, pick off too many of them or so that the predators can't increase in number uh, shortly before they emerge uh, so that they could devastate uh, these cicada populations. Uh, but I found that really interesting. And the other thing I remembered at the same time uh, was the word abracadabra. Do you know where that word mm -hmm. originates from? I knew and I forgot. Tell me again, because I, I want to know again. <laughs> Yes, so abracadabra, uh, which I didn't know, uh, was first used as a, a magic word to ward off malaria, which, okay. yeah, you, you wouldn't have thought that, would you? Uh, same as, I guess, quinine in tonic water, a similar purpose. Uh, when uh, these diseases were rife, and uh, malaria still is in many ways, uh, but again, it reflects on our current situation with COVID. Uh, abracadabra is a word perhaps we could do more of, <laughs> hopefully. There you go. Yeah, so tell me, uh, what is one time uh, for you, magic obviously being your passion, uh, when that has uh, changed the way you look at the world, uh, changed the way you, maybe you go about your life or uh, the way you look at other people? I think it's uh, maybe more on the connection between people mm. because I, I was a close-up magician. So for people who don't know uh, what a close-up magician is, a close-up, so magic with the, you know, cards and coins when you're very close and people can touch them. And usually yeah. it's not on contrary of uh, stage magic, if I can say so. And so yeah, I was very in contact with people and... Yeah, there was my thing was really about connection and most of my work, I, I, I was um, I was going from group to group and tried to do some magic for five minutes and at the same time understand um, the dynamic of the group and the different connections in the group so I can better manage them. I, I can better see who's the leader of the group. So. It's less of a aha moment that is linked to a magical moment where I see nature or the world like you do, you do and say, wow, it's so magical. It's more of a, um, I can better see the connections between people and between me and, and the different people. But definitely there was also an element of um, thinking that 
magic is not what people think um, that some people think it is. Let me be uh, more precise. Um, some people try to argue uh, like, yeah, but there is always a trick. And that has, I never <laughs> try to make other people believe that there is some real magic, like some guy can put your hands over a, a super pro profound wound and suddenly you healed. That's, I don't believe in that. And I, I don't think it's possible. And, and like a hundred percent of magicians, I think, but there is another kind of magic, which is the magic of creating a moment that is out of time. So yeah. There is both of those sides, the side of like, oh, now I understand more of the connections and dynamics in different groups and the social interaction. And on the other side, it's like, there is something magical that we can create that me, a human, I come with a deck of cards and in three minutes, I create a, a bubble. I create an imaginary bubble and people play along and they say, okay, let's just put all our all of our beliefs on the side and imagine that this is a moment that is really magical. That, that is crazy if you think about it. And it has been said that the, the beginnings of magic uh, were coming from shamans and uh, in, in a long time ago. And, and I read some very interesting things that uh, some shamans that were doing some rituals, they were heal healing rituals or stuff like that. Um, there was actually a story that I loved. They were in, in a tent, uh, basically, and there were a group sitting and they had some kind of ritual. And actually there was a guy um, who was shaking the tent. So it looked like, you know, it was a kind of a magical thing when you put your hands like that and you concentrate and things move and the tent is like shaking. What? What? But actually what was interesting is that um, in those writings, they said that the guy was not even um, hiding. So everyone could see he was shaking the tent. So that means they were playing along. They were thinking, you know, whatever, it's part of the, it's part of the game. You know, we pretend not to look at the trick. So it's not about the trick. It's not about, oh, does it really exist? Does the, shape, the, the, the tent really shake? No, it's about whatever. It, it's, we create this moment together. And so we can better enter this trance or this whatever they were trying to do and heal and, and be in the moment. So I think that's very interesting because it's, it's not about the trick. It's about the moment. And it, that goes beyond magic. It goes beyond the art, the craft of yeah. magic. It, you can create your own moments. Uh, you put a candle, you put a, you know, you put your thing, you do whatever you need to do. And you can create a moment that looks, that's, that, that is kind of a magical moment. Certainly. Uh, as you say, it's about uh, creating that experience, that moment, uh, that uh, belief in the audience uh, so that they can have that escape uh, from the humdrum of reality, especially in COVID yeah. times uh, where that is particularly unflattering. Uh, but I think it's a great tip as a, a magic trick on your next camping uh, trip if you want to rope in a friend <laughs> to shake your tent, tent your shaman. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> yes, uh, but as you say, uh, this principle of magic, uh, being able to suspend others' disbelief is so, so powerful. And in many ways, uh, it surpasses uh, that field itself. So uh, one of the many ways uh, in which uh, it can be seen is in uh, medicine, actually. So we have uh, placebo effects, 
and uh, you can go from yeah. anywhere uh, between homeopathy uh, to actually clinically uh, tested uh, medicines trials uh, which still have uh, quite a major component of belief in what the doctor's doing which means uh, the patient uh, will yeah try and heal themselves Uh, they'll try and put themselves back together Uh, i found an interesting use for foxes uh, in that context and uh, according to pliny the elder uh, who's very famous uh, Roman historian, scientist, uh, writer, naturalist. Uh, he recommended fox genitals uh, as a cure for uh, the medical <laughs> no condition of headaches. So, yes, uh, you had to, I believe, uh, apply them to the brow and uh, that would make your headache go away. So if you ever <laughs> run out of paracetamol, you know what to use now. <laughs> sure, it works a treat. Uh, but yes. Poor foxes, they didn't ask for anything. And suddenly one guy said the testicle is good uh, is yes. a good way to heal. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, yeah, as you say, I think it's a bit unfair on the foxes. Uh, but that is the way of things. Uh, but I don't know. Which, as a fox, would you rather be castrated or tossed in 17th century Europe? Well, that's, that's the only choice. two choices you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Well, Bootsy, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you today. I'm sure our audience will agree. Uh, you've taken us on a journey uh, with your magic and talking about foxes as well <laughs> uh, with your knowledge. Uh, so I think uh, I'd, I'd just like to say on behalf of everyone listening, uh, thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another episode of the Human Nature Cast next week. Until then, uh, stay safe and do try to be a better animal. Thank you all and goodbye. Hey there, just wanted to do a shout out to an amazing podcast you should definitely check out. Misfigured Life is an educational podcast that respects your time and absolutely nothing else. Realistic steps to accomplish projects and tasks, explained like you're just a little bit special and in less time than it takes other shows to even get to the point. Hosted by Parker, it covers wildly varying topics from robbing a bank to growing a garden and everything in between. Stop ignoring the background banter podcasts and learn something you could actually use. At least one new episode comes out each week, which days specifically will be a surprise. Probably subscribe or something. That's Misfigured Life. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.